a lot better than UVA's free throw shooting late in that game. You know what I mean? But a boom. But a boom. To the CatsCorner.com podcast. CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March 16th. Virginia having just won 60-57 to over Mississippi State in the National Invitation Tournament. Is it Invitation or Invitational? I don't know. Anyway, the NIT. You all know what it is. Um, obviously, since the last time we spoke, a lot has happened. Virginia did not win the ACC Tournament. Virginia did not make the NCAA tournament. Virginia did uh, get to play a home game um, in the uh, NIT, technically speaking, but, you know, well, physically, I guess, technically it was supposed to be a road game. Very weird to see Virginia in blue in JPJ. I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, but anyway, we are going to discuss at least a little bit about tonight's game and and, uh, and sort of just more of the season at large. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, NIT is not in the tournament. That's what it stands for. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, doing much better than I was four years ago tonight, Brett. Um, very painful evening for all of us who fans. But, yeah, who is on the board? At who is on Twitter. As a really I good like friend of mine. energy. Yeah, you did. You really, you really, you really <laughs> harshed Armello. Um, as a really good friend of mine said, you know, she told her son, like, listen, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't, nobody can take that away from you because it's part of the whole story. And I, that's the way I like to remember it. But yeah, four years ago tonight was rough. I've never seen the message board and I hope I never see it again. The message board in shambles the way it was, uh, that night. And, uh, I remember I got to my hotel at like, oh, dark 30 and they didn't have a reservation. Um, and it took them a while to figure out where I was supposed to be, which was, I mean, I was at the right hotel. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, I digress. Also on the program tonight, up in uh, Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. What's going on, my dude? You probably should have just drove home. I mean, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Um, that was, I think that's uh, one of the most underrated parts of how bad that was, was that we had to wait through all the Thursday games, then all the Friday games before they finally played. <laughs> you know, it was like the 9.50 tip or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, it was so late. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. Um, but I think like a lot of people think like the national championship sort of um, rectified that in a way. I actually think tonight's win over Mississippi State, they finally <laughs> exercised the demons um, of that UMBC loss. I think they finally got over the hump. They've now won in two different postseason tournaments. So Cats Corner on Twitter, Cavs underscore corner. Great place to do the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. Uh, Damon worked a baseball game and obviously a basketball game tonight, and uh, he he's not going to be joining us. We will we will get all his many NIT thoughts next week, uh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, we're not going to relive UMBC um, all night long, um, but it you know anniversaries are like that. Let's talk about the last week that was. I, I think all of us expected. 
you know, Virginia would go to the ACC tournament and certainly, um, uh, if you if you had to pick some things that you thought were going to happen, it, it made sense to to not expect ca- the Cavaliers to win the thing. I don't know if we expected them to play as uh, poorly as they did, um, but um, I'm just curious as we look back on it. It, it kind of feels like to me a, a microcosm of the season, and I feel like I've said microcosm several times on this podcast throughout the year. Dave, as you've had some time to back away from the ACC tournament. Uh, and a bigger picture of the season. Uh, I, I I know that Virginia's still obviously playing and stuff, so we, we're not going to do the whole full postmortem, you know, what went right, what went wrong. But generally speaking, as you look back on it, what are your thoughts? Um, I try to keep the, the pillars in mind when I look back on this season as a whole. You know, grateful for what this program is. But, yeah, this year, I mean, I don't think any – yeah, I think you can be a rational Virginia fan and, and still be, you know, and, and realize how lucky you are to have the coach you do and the success you've had and still be a little disappointed with what you saw this year. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, it's because of the standard. Was humility. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was humility. And it got served to you on a pretty, you know, it got served to you pretty hardcore down up in Brooklyn um, in that first half, especially. It's, you know, I think I said in the podcast last week, I, I didn't know if Virginia had to do anything special. I just had to, really really guard you know kind of dig into and do what they do at, at the highest level and they didn't um and that's kind of been the story of the year when the, the your games they played well is when they made shots like they've got a their defense is going to be what it is you know I, i'd say above average is probably the best way to describe the defense this year and when the offense is scoring points and above average defense and the way they play it makes it not elite not like you know 2000 18, even 2019, 2020 level, but better than almost everyone in the country. Um, when they're not hitting jump shots, the defense isn't 2020, especially of you know, the post championship year. That defense was insane. Um, it's not that good. It's not good enough to keep you in games alone. So, and that's kind of just what it was. They needed every piece to hit, and they didn't have multiple guys who could produce. So, you know, if Franklin wasn't hot or he wasn't hot, then the three-point game was essentially not a factor, which meant two-point efficiency. And today's game, you got to have some luck for just an efficient two-point shooting team, you know, to, to hold their own against teams that shoot 33, 34, 35% from three almost across the board. So, yeah, I, I think it's – I said it early in the season. I've said it multiple times on podcasts. Like, I mean, this team was was flawed, and you know, a piece they miss it. A piece that could really have helped them was Trey Murphy, who, you know, in the recruiting and the way the recruiting kind of worked, he was supposed to be on this team. And if you just think about how many games a guy like he could have have helped, um, it's hard not to hard not to wonder what if, but. You know, it's a new time, and I don't think that's something we talk about enough. Like, you know, the transfer portal is much different. You know, in the past when Tony went out and got a transfer um, or when you had a recruit that you were redshirting, like they had to – or even not redshirting, just sitting on the bench. They had to make a decision where they wanted to leave and sit out a year before they played again or where they wanted to just sit out that year. They weren't playing much of Virginia and then get some playing time. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how that affects Virginia moving forward. Um and how Tony builds the roster around this new reality. But I got faith in the guy. Um, like there's not many coaches that would have won 
12 games in the ACC with this roster. Um, you know, which I think has talent, but it's just inconsistent. Um, consistent. The last thing on it, and I think I said it, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely tweeted it. It's just, if there was one thing about this team that kind of stuck in, like, that sticks out to me is, like, they all had limitations. Even if you go back to the championship team and, you know, the, the 2018 team prior to the UMBC game, none of those players were perfect, right? They all, none of them were LeBron, right? They all had weaknesses, but knowing your weakness is important, is as important as knowing your strengths. And this year's team, if anything, there seems to be a little bit of not understanding their own limitations. And I think that can hurt you in a system like Virginia's. So hopefully the guys who are coming back next year have, have learned from this, this playing time and we can be a better team. Ferber, what do you got to add? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately this season is sort of a – you hope it's like a transition, you know, from from one thing to the next. The problem is like the last really good thing was a few years ago, um, and that's not really anybody's fault. I think last year um, – actually, this is kind of a good question for you guys. Do you feel like last year's group like underachieved – Cause it felt like we, it felt like after the first couple of games and like going into the season, we thought they would be like a one seat type team. Um, yeah. I mean that, that, that second game of the season or whatever it was, and they're just raining threes and they're playing a lot of five. Maybe it was stuff. the first one. Yeah. And then they and lost I was like, Oh wow. That's right. That's right. It was our opener. And then the, yeah, the, the, the whiplash from that, I was like, all right, I don't know what to think of this team. I, I, I genuinely, as I look back on last year, it's hard to really know like what they could have been. Because we know that they weren't necessarily practicing it the way that they should yeah, have. Yeah, COVID and everything. And, yeah. and, and like, and I don't mean that as a cop out. I think that a lot of people, as they look back on the last couple seasons of both basketball and football, understand that like so much of it was was in some ways with an asterisk, right? Um, certainly, there are a lot of you know when you when you talk about teams like Virginia that play a physical brand of basketball, you weren't getting practice. Like dudes were not banging; they were not playing you know defense that way. Uh, I, I would say that that team, considering that, um, certainly overachieved in some ways, but also underachieved in the fact that like they actually had a decent amount of talent. It just really never mm-hmm. came to me, at least. It never really came together. Like they sort of like night in and night out, just sort of waited for dudes to make plays, and then yeah, it kind of felt like a lot of the uh, there was a lot of uncertainty as to what it was going to be like tonight. And on some Tony teams, like that's a that's a feature, not a bug, right? On some of those teams that, that Virginia's had over the last few years, the different guys, different nights has been a real, you know, a real, you know, feather in their cap. You know, it's it's hard to shut down all of these different options, right? That Virginia team last year, I thought they had they were they were a little bit too much of a one trick pony. And to Dave's point earlier, right, this Virginia team didn't necessarily have one trick. Right. They didn't necessarily do. And and I, I mean, I don't mean to talk in past tense. I realize that they're still playing. But this team does doesn't have this one thing other than like Reese Beekman is ridiculous on defense. Right. They don't have like one thing that they do very well and they do it consistently well. And you can always count on it. Right. Um, you know, they don't necessarily shoot it well. They 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 are turnover prone at times. Um, you know, they don't. They don't, uh, they're not, uh, you know, upper echelon defensive team. They certainly have nights where they flirt with it. Um, you know, they're not good. In, uh, they can't shoot. They can't, you know, it's not good in the post. It, it's just this team is a little bit all over the place, which is not what we've grown accustomed to. Yeah, I would just, the reason I brought that up is because um, Tony often talks about like maxing out, 
Right. You know, you want you want every team's different, but you want that team to come as close to their ceiling as possible. Right. In a weird in a weird way, I think this team actually might be closer to their ceiling in some ways than last year's team, even though last year's team was far more talented. Um, and last year's team, it just felt like they had another gear that maybe they could have gotten to, but it just didn't happen. Um, because you remember, like, I don't really fault them for losing to Ohio, given like how, you know, the week leading up to that, you know, all the stuff that happened. Um, but we knew when the bracket came out, they were capped at the sweet 16 because Gonzaga was their one seed. And we were like, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> Cause they'd already played them. Um, and this year's team, it's like, they, they had a little bit of a run there. Um, you know, I guess starting with the Duke win where, or I guess maybe the Miami win was right before that. Right. Um, and it was like, okay, maybe things are starting to click, but I, I was still a little, I mean, we talked about it on the show. I was still skeptical because I was like, they can't shoot. I don't really see that changing a whole lot. And if you can't shoot at all, like you're going to run into problems. Um, not many teams. I mean, like look at the teams in the tournament. You're not going to find a lot of teams that can't consistently score. Um, and, you know, UVA doesn't score as much because they play slow, but like that doesn't like winning games 68, 65 with good shooting and good defense isn't the same as, you know, 51, 50 or whatever it was against Louisville, which is a completely different thing. Um yeah, I really thought like uh, they played. How do I say this? I don't think what we saw in Brooklyn was like, oh, this is just who they are all the time. It's like, nah, they played worse. Like, they, I mean, I think that they can play better than they played there, and we've seen them play better. Um, so I think they just had a rough couple of days, and we're lucky to beat a Louisville team barely. And then, you know, it just never came close the next night. But um, ultimately, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, this team sort of showed you who they were very early on. I mean, they lost to Navy in the opener. Um, the, the, they played Houston pretty early and it was pretty clear that they were out of their league in that game. Like they just weren't on the same level and we just haven't seen UVA play like that. I mean, even in 2017, they had a few bad games. Um, I know they played pretty poorly when they went to Chapel Hill, but like for the most part, they didn't feel like outclassed. Um, you know, they had some good wins that year too. Uh, this year's team outside of a few moments, just, it seemed pretty clear that they just weren't like a, a contender really in the ACC. And, um, when you're as limited as they are on offense and you don't have like a 2020 level defense to make up for it, um, it's just going to be, a, it's going to be a struggle in pretty mm-hmm. much every game. And, and they, they were, we talked about this, I think at the end of the regular season, but like they had very few games this year where they were just like on cruise control. Like they you know, it, it just didn't feel like that, high, even against the bad teams. Like, they just really had to struggle to get through those games a lot of times. And, um, you know, credit them for still winning. What are they, 20 wins? Um, yeah. yeah, 20 wins. Yeah, that's not that's not bad. Um, you know, it's – I think when you, when you become, like, a national title contender or see yourself that way, it's like, how do you miss the tournament? But, I mean, other teams in the same situation have missed um, or had down years and, and – college basketball is going to fluctuate more now year to year than it did in the past. So I think it's excusable. It's not like it's like a big problem, but I think that they have stuff that they can work on to try to be a little bit more consistently yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was trying to think of like what, what I was pretty bullish on this team going into the season. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of people were just, but looking back, I believe that the reason something I need to keep in mind moving forward when I evaluate what's Virginia is the importance of of minutes, right? 
Like we knew the guys like Reese and Kihei were the only two guys on this roster who played a lot of minutes before. You know, Shedrick had been a role player, Kafara had been a role player, Franklin was a newbie, Gardner was a newbie. Um and I think we kind of just assumed because Virginia had been rolling for what seven years, eight years in a row with guys kind of revolving, developing and adding to the the program. And then when the new class got there, it was kind of, you know, they had the older pieces with them. So I think that's something I will keep more in mind as I evaluate future programs, but you know, it kind of makes sense in retrospect, right? Like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, Franklin played in the back line, but it's not Tony Bennett's back line. And, you know, Gardner scored a lot of ECU, and he, he scored a lot here, but, you know, who is he surrounded by? But, you know, a lot of guys played new roles this year, and it's clearly important. And, you know, I think next year's team will benefit, you know, whoever returns from this stat, you know, from this team. We got all offseason to talk about that. The guys that come back will have played a lot more minutes, and I think we should, you know, the way we view Kafaro and Shedrick going into next year's season should be different than, Maybe it's a more accurate way of viewing them. Kind of how I thought they'd be this year is probably what we'll see next year. And that should be encouraging, especially with the new pieces you're adding that, look, we shouldn't expect a whole lot from, from first years in this program. But, you know, you've seen it plenty this year. If the guys that come back can kind of give you what you got had from this team and you've, you can add some a little bit of scoring punch, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, eight to ten points a game from your bench this is a whole different program, um, whole different team. I mean, so yeah, uh, kind of a, a mistake on my part, probably just some kind of getting fat and sassy after eight years of success. Fat and sassy, huh? Well, I mean, we do this thing where it's like, we just give Tony the benefit of the doubt. Um, like that's, I mean, like national media, people say the same thing. UVA had was what number 25, I think to start the season. Yeah. And that was purely because fourth. of who their coach yeah. is. Like it has nothing to do with the roster because if you look at that roster, it's not a top 25 roster. Um, yeah. It's not like, I mean, I think there's talent there and I've said it multiple times in the text thread. Um, like, I, I don't know that there's many coaches in the league who could have won 20 games with this Virginia roster and there's no, there's probably um, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I don't see, I don't I see Steve any Forbes other team couldn't. overcoming. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got to get back to that at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, I just, I think you're right. I think, I, I think more, not just like the actual overall talent, but also the newness, you know, like Tony's mentioned that a lot, how new this team was. And I think if you just look at what they have on the roster, it's like, I really was like very high on the Franklin and Gardner transfers. I thought they were both going to be awesome. Um, but still, I mean, it's a lot of new pieces and, and none of those, neither of those transfers were like of the Hauser quality where it was like, this dude's going to come in and score, like automatically be one of the best players in the league. Um, and, you know, you're relying on a lot of other guys who, like, have different limitations. And I think that's just kind of where they were. And we gave them the benefit of the doubt. And, unfortunately, this year, like, they just weren't good enough to overcome, you know, some of the weakness, some of the reasons that you had that help. You know what I mean? Um, I think before the season, I, had, I said I thought they'd be in the 8-9 seed range. But it hadn't really occurred to me that they wouldn't be a tournament team until probably, I mean, the Navy game was obviously a huge red flag. Um, but I was like, well, it's the first game. You know, they'll, they'll be all right. Um, when was it? There was Well, the JMU game, I think, was probably kind of a turning point where it was like, all right, this wasn't a fluke. <laughs> they lost to Navy. Um, 
you know, and, and then maybe some early league losses, the Clemson game, for example, like it's pretty clear that they just weren't what we're accustomed to, I guess. I think a couple things here. First off, I, I, I it feels sort of wrong to sort of I, I, I hope folks don't think we're like bagging on them. We're just trying to be, you know, sort of real about the, the totality of it all. They are still alive. And, you know, maybe they go down to North Texas and they and they, you know, make some noise. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like that, if you if we did this podcast ten years ago, we'd be like, "Hey, this team's headed in the right direction," which is fine. But UVA has now won a national championship, so we don't have to talk about them that way. Yeah, I think, I've, and I think that's fair. I think that this is a that this conversation and the and the need to have it and this and the and the reality of it is is part and parcel to you know what if you want more out of your your program and you you get to that level, you know how you stay there. A couple of thoughts. First off, I think that you know. Dave is over here, over here, like giving himself, you know, lashes or whatever for not, you know, adequately setting the expectations right. I think the place where everybody aired was the idea of like younger, of not necessarily younger pieces or newer pieces, but but like specifically the way these pieces fit together, right? Um, I don't think that the problem for this team was the experience. I don't think that the problem or the lack of it, right? And I genuinely think that as this thing moved forward, you did get a sense of guys kind of fitting into their roles and kind of fitting together. The problem was that once they fit together, what were they, right? And we're going to talk about in future podcasts, I think, uh, and I don't think tonight's the time for it, uh, a discussion about sort of like how, how the roster got to where it was um, and sort of UVA's recruiting philosophy, which you know in some ways seems to have been tweaked a little bit. Um, you know, I think that giving Tony Bennett the benefit of the doubt is never a bad thing. The problem is, is that I think he probably maxed out with this team. I think it was Ferber who was talking about this earlier. The idea that this group probably, this was, you know, being in the mix at times and, and like, this was probably where they were for this specific group and the way they fit together. I think ultimately because of some, you know, decisions that were made, be that, NBA decisions, transfer decisions, recruiting decisions and such, like to get the guys they got on paper, you know, you put Gardner and you put Franklin with the dudes that they had, um, you know, it's, it's probably was fair to expect, you know what, Tony Bennett can get this thing turned around. Um, they did in a variety of ways, but they also didn't in, in the ways that mattered most, right? They were never able to sort of get to an offensive flow where they could sort of impose their will. They were never able to get into a defensive um, consistency that, you know, could, they could impose their will. And without those things, right, without one or the other, you simply, you're not going to be successful anywhere, especially when you are very uh, regimented in terms of what you run and the and the manner in which you run it, right? Virginia... And this this kind of speaks to another point I wanted to make. So we, we just talked a few minutes ago about the idea of COVID and what that meant for last season and sort of like the what the um, you know what the protocols and such meant for teams like Virginia who historically would be super physical and weren't able to get that sort of practice time. I still think on some level there's some residuals from that. Um, you know, I don't think that you just get back to work and you just fix it right away. I think that there's time, especially for a program like Virginia, where things are so, um, you know, ingrained in you. The, the The bottom line is that if you look around at the teams that had success, they were the teams that had the teams that had success had one of two things or both. They had really athletic dudes who could like actually like just go out there and ball. Right. Didn't matter the system or scheme. They could just go out and play. Right. Or they had really experienced dudes. Like, we're going to talk about Dave's boy, uh, Steve Forbes, here in a minute. Uh, or in a few minutes, anyway. 
Um, but you look at what Wake Forest did, right? Teams like that that had success this season did so because they were either really physical, or like really like athletic, physical dudes, right? Just could just flat out play, put them anywhere, and they could play. Um, or they had experience, and and if you had both, then you were going to be pretty good. Look at Duke, right? Duke had so much talent, and even Duke struggled in various spots because I think because some of these some of these things that like were sort of you know ingrained in different programs last year. I don't think you can sort of just work through that in a season, right? It it takes a long time to sort of get the machine gear back up. And I think for, um, you know, some of these teams that had the experienced guys who had played a lot in the past and you put them together, you know, you get a Londis Williams. Like, there's no, I mean, this is no shade to him, okay? I don't mean this is any disrespect. But isn't it kind of crazy that he won ACC Player of the Year? Like, doesn't that tell you a little bit about sort of where things are? And look around the country. Like, yeah, Gonzaga's cooking because they've got this, like, seven-foot-one freak of nature, Right, who can just do absurd well, things, and also, <laughs> and oh yeah, and right, there's two of them. That's what I, that's where I was going, right? Um, and then the other thing about it is, is like you look around, the, who are who are the other good teams, right? And if you think about what's the profile of these teams, not necessarily from like the resume standpoint, but from like the FBI profiler standpoint, right? Like who are they? And a lot of those kind of same themes persist, right? And 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 you think about it, like a lot of teams were just a mess this year. And you only if you if you're curious about that, look at the NIT. Look at the number of name programs that are in are in the NIT, right? That probably shouldn't be there um, because normally they would have had better seasons than would have been in the real tournament. So I just think that as we look back on it, yeah, this roster was flawed, and there's a lot of things that went into it, which you know we will get into. Um, but I also think there's also this piece of it, which is like this was a very weird year, and which which, which should make for a very entertaining tournament because who the heck knows what it's going to look like. Um, but when you you know you look across sort of the the expanse of the lead into the tournament and sort of where the bubble was and who all was going to be seated where it's a very strange year and I think there's a reason for that. So, um, let's talk about Steve Forbes. We we had we didn't really do the ACC tournament postmortem. Uh, we're not we're not going to give you any time talking about Virginia Tech winning it. I can promise you that. Uh, I know my audience too well for that. Um, we, we joked about the whole Brad's bums situation uh, last week. Um, was That was last week, right? All my weeks were running together. Yeah, um, look, old Steve, um, I'm not sure how you go into the uh, ACC tournament with the um, ACC Coach of the Year and the ACC Player of the Year and come out of it without an NCAA bid, but boy, uh, that's a... Austin College was a wagon. I mean, seriously, dude. Um who who's who came out looking worse from the ACC tournament? It had to be your boy Steve, right? Like we we agree he's the Brad Bum of the week. Um, Actually, I would say the athletic director who extended his contract. Um, yeah, that was a rough, I mean, like, that was a rough twenty four hours. I'll give. It, I mean, like they did win a bunch of games this year. It's not, and they did improve a lot. So like that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to suck because he lost this one game. But yeah, and they did win tonight in the NIT. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I that's a tough beat for him because he was on the bubble. Um, and Boston College is Boston College. Um, yeah, that was bad. Notre Dame almost played their way out as well. So, um, you know, they're playing right now in the first four. So, you know, that was probably not an ideal situation for them. I think Duke looked pretty bad in the championship game. Yeah, I think my answer's got to be Duke, man. Like, I mean, look, I, I ragged on Steve Forbes pretty hard last podcast because I'm not, I'm not a fan. And maybe I'll be proven wrong a few years from now. I just, there's something about him I just don't like. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you think about what the Duke team did with 
you know, the two biggest games of the year for Coach K's farewell extravaganza. They got roasted. You know, you lose your final home game to your your arch rival, and then like yeah, Virginia Tech four games. You know, having played an extra game and essentially uh, uh, another Duke home game, and they got roasted again. I mean, that game wasn't even as close as the score, which wasn't that close. Um, yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. Honestly, honestly, the loser for me and Brad, I'll just keep this quick, but I think the actual loser is the league. Oh, because the I, yeah. the more I, the more I started watching other tournaments last week, I was like, the play looks better here. Yeah, it does, and and it makes like look at the teams. Like, all right, so your ten pole programs, like, like you need Duke to be good, probably like especially this year because they were the best team in the league, and they just looked very blah. They almost lost to Syracuse. Um, they got by Miami. Then you know they they were terrible in the championship. North Carolina beat UVA, but UVA was like basically just like not even playing basketball in that game. Yeah. Um, and, and then they, and they only scored 60, what 63 points in that game. And then they scored like 50 something against tech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They were bad, you know, like, I, I don't know. The bubble teams didn't exactly like, except for Virginia tech, obviously didn't exactly give you a lot of confidence going into the NCAAs. And I think it's easy to be like, yeah, they're down because they play 20 league games against each other. You know, it's hard to tell, but like, I really think that like they are down, um, you know, the, the, they're not like, I don't think they're undervalued. No, I think too, that's one of the, Go sorry, ahead, sorry. Dave, I was going to say, I don't think that's one of the, I think that's one of those things that's like really endemic of the transfer situation. Right. Um, I don't have numbers in front of me. I can't tell you if the ACC had more guys who left and blah, 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 blah. But I do think that when you look at sort of the status quo that existed before, where you did have a handful of, you know, one and done guys, most of them go to Duke, uh, in, at least in terms of the ACC, right? Most of them go to Duke. Uh, every once in a while you have guys from other places. When you p- compound that with the number of transfers and you have the, uh, you know, just sort of the weirdness of coming out of COVID. Uh, for whatever reason, the ACC took it on the chin much harder than other leagues did. And I think in part that's because um, the ACC is such a, um, you know, it's weird. There are certain teams that are just absolutely talent-driven, and then there are other programs that are more program-driven, and everybody suffered from this. You know what I mean? In a way that, you're right, like I watch these other league tournaments, and I'm like, dang, dude, like these guys look like they're playing the brand of basketball I'm used to seeing. Um, and you know it. You know that's real because you know how many people I saw this year talking about how great the ACC was. Nobody, and it, yeah. I mean the, the ACC could be like the fourth best conference, and you'll still get these ACC stands that'll be like, "Well, they play in the toughest league in America." You're like, "Well, not really, right, right now." Um, overall, maybe, but you know, it it was not this, the the league was not nearly as good as evidenced by the fact that um, Virginia Tech won the won the league tournament, right? And would not have been in the field if it had not won. Yeah, the last they're an eleven. That is wild, you know. And I mean, that's also, a team Notre that the Dame, metrics. Notre love. Dame finished second, and they're playing in Dayton. Exactly. Like, I mean, and, yeah, and, it's crazy. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, you know, I was gonna. You, know, you kind of hit what I was gonna hit. Like, I mean, if you, if you want, if you want to see how the the nation perceives and the NCAA community perceives the ACC look at look at Tech in an 11 seed you're right like you know Buzz Williams would have been in if Tech had lost to get to Duke I mean imagine how angry Tech fans would have been if Duke could have managed to win that game because I don't I mean if you'd asked me I'd be like oh yeah Tech's in they were I would have been like 50-50 at worst 
right? Yeah, and like, they they clearly weren't. You know, maybe maybe they sneak into the you know the play in game where Notre Dame is tonight, but I don't think so. It um, seemed like they were out. Yeah, I mean, just based yeah. on what the they asked the committee and they were basically like, eh, like they didn't want to say yes, but yeah, no, that's insane. I can't like I, I'm trying to think the last time an ACC tournament champion was that low it had i i, I yeah I so like georgia it. tech lost last year was the was the tournament winner last year and they were yeah. like they weren't even a bubble team though they were like inside the bubble i think um i think it might have gotten dicey for them if they lost like they their first the game last year forever yeah yeah that's true we were <laughs> in the bubble um but they were like i think they were pretty squarely in the field and they were yeah. like an eight or a nine seed um they're in an eight nine game so i yeah. mean but that team was like the fifth or sixth, I think they were like the sixth or seventh seed in a league or something like, um, I can't remember, but yeah, so it wasn't quite the same as this year, but yeah. I mean, yeah. it kind of makes sense. I mean, I guess look, the ACC is little bit by little bit each year since the expansion, it's the basketball has gotten a little worse. Um, you know, I think you look know, at the, the teams they added to the league. They haven't brought, yeah. they haven't brought anything. In terms yeah, of basketball you would, value, you would think Syracuse and Louisville would be a big boom, and, and they've had a year here. It was good. Yeah, Pitt was good. Yeah. Um, and you know, Tech, the the one who you would pick to drag down the league in basketball in Miami, both have won ACC tournament titles since Syracuse and Louisville have. Um, and Pitt, so yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, I, I don't know what it means long term. I mean, basketball. I mean, it's it's a bigger discussion than, than one podcast and we have all offseason to discuss it. But yeah, it, it, who knows what it means for college basketball? Um the ACC is definitely at a changing point with Shoshesky retiring, you know, Williams retiring last year. Bayham doesn't have much time left. Uh, Louisville's gonna have a new coach. Um, you know, Tony Bennett obviously taking the LSU or the some other job. So it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not, we're not dignified. Tony Bennett to Maryland confirmed, <laughs> confirmed, um, breaking hashtag breaking. Um, so I, I guess the, you know, we should, I, I really would like to make this a thing. Um, I, I mean, if you guys want to give it to Duke, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I would just say it like this, Duke getting beat by Carolina on its home floor, considering everything that happened, um, and then turning around and, and losing the ACC tournament, uh, the way that it did considering the talent that Duke had and considering the sort of situation with coach K it's a, it's a real bad look. Um, I still think having the ACC player of the year <laughs> and the coach of the year and getting bounced the way the wake forest did and then missing the tournament thereafter. I mean, th- that's just worse to me. Um, but if you guys vote for, for, for Duke, we can give them, give them Brad's bum for the week. But, um, I just, I just, after really... putting that mo- negative mojo on, on Forbes last week, I figured I should vote for Duke. <laughs> Well, you know, if the ACC is going to make any noise in this tournament, um, you know, Duke's probably going to have to be the one to do it. Although um, there's obviously a lot of people out there who hated them anyway, but especially after the seating situation and um, whatnot. Speaking of seating, can we talk about can we talk about Buzz Williams real quick? It's 35 minutes into the show. I can do this now, right? Did it? All right. I know y'all saw it because we we talked about it. But folks, if you have not, all right, I just want you to if you are driving. Don't do it right while you're driving. I want to. People don't have that much time answer. on their hands. All right, the man Buzz went off on a on a thing on a. Sorry, he didn't go off. He had a, he read a prepared statement that was like seven minutes and fifty seconds long. Now listen, he's a very he's he, he cares about what he does, and I'm not going to clown any of that. Okay, I am somebody who starts to talk, and I get I get him. That's totally cool with me. All right, 
My problem is twofold, okay? On the one hand, coaches, please, for the love of all things holy, don't start talking after the season about how you, we got to figure out how these teams get picked. Like, that is not a good look. You know how these teams get picked? They win games. If you want to be in the tournament, go win some games, right? Didn't, didn't A&M lose like nine games in a row? Like, what are we talking about here, right? Buzz, Buzz is out here advocating for, for A&M like they were, you know, 29-2. and two. Like, no, Buzz. Like, I understand you thought your team belonged, right? You didn't do enough work to be there. I mean, you can make a case that they should have been, but it's not like an open and shut, like this is like a stone-cold lead pipe lock situation. And Buzz is just going off on, like, this whole thing about how, you know, he did all this research. And I was like, what are we talking about here? And, uh, I mean, listen, I, I have... I have not I've not covered Buzz day to day. The times that I've been in the in the room with Buzz, I've always wondered like how much he's he's obviously somebody who who cares, right? Um but it's he does a lot of stuff that just you know like he would line up the reporters um like recorders on the on the desk, which is probably well, after cute. he showed up 30 minutes late. True. Which is probably cute to him <laughs> except for when you're the reporter who has to transcribe that and you got this nice chunk of the thing where it's just constant like scraping of nope of uh, <laughs> recorders on 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 tablecloths. Like my dude, stop. And also that's my property. Like stop touching my stuff. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't go up and like move your water bottle, right? But anyway, I digress. I just think that the whole thing was just very strange and ultimately is not a good look for coaches. If you don't make the tournament, go you know what? Go to the NIT and win the thing. If you don't make the tournament, come out next year, win the thing and say we should have been in it last year and we and this is why. Like I don't care. But like don't and then the whole the the best part. I know I'm on a tangent and I'm sorry. The best part of this whole thing is he gets done with the seven minutes, and but what's he? I'm no longer going to take questions about this topic because this is all of the things I'm I am comfortable saying on the topic is in this prepared statement, which I'm going to read with my head down. O okay, cool, all right. Well, that's a choice, but anyway, I, I just I I could not I just could not believe what I was watching. And Dave, you said you watched like 30 seconds of it and stopped. Um, you didn't miss much. Uh, I know I just told everybody to go watch it, but anyway. Well, my thing is like he when he was at Virginia Tech, and I tweeted this earlier. When he was at Virginia Tech, he I can't I don't want to mess up the story, so I apologize if I have a detail wrong or something. But um, the gist of it was like he figured out how to like game. I think it was when they first created the net, or maybe it was like the last year of the RPI um, as like the primary metric or sorting tool or whatever. He figured out how to like game it to where like you wouldn't like drop or, or like, you know, maybe maximize your growth. Um, and basically it was like, if you lose by less than like 10 points, you don't drop as much or whatever margins matter. So he would like, when they were like down by five or six points at the end of a game, instead of like fouling to like try to keep the game going or whatever, he would just tell them not to, because he's like, we'll just lose by like six. Um, it's better to lose by six than 10, even if we have a 5% chance of coming back or something. So he knows exactly how this works. I think what he did was a hundred percent. Like, I don't think it was like for show because I think he actually does believe what he says, but I think it's like a lot of like, he's playing the political game almost like next year, they're going to let in like all these power conference teams because they're afraid of like of the perception or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of it was like, Infowars type. He's like, who's the committee that creates the committee, and like stuff like that. I was like, okay, yeah. So there's that. 
Uh, and also like everybody's like all the Virginia Tech media people are just laughing because they had to deal with this. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true. I mean, like, it's so funny, like the, um, you know, like I wouldn't say Justin Fuente and Bronco were very similar, but neither of them was like, Oh my God, like what's happening. Right. You know, like they were pretty normal football coaches for the most part in terms of like what you could expect from them at press conferences and stuff. <laughs> like Tony Bennett and Buzz Williams is like such a huge change. That's very true. Yeah. They're, they're very different <laughs> dudes. Um, I think the other thing too, honestly, with, with this whole situation is like coaches, coaches understand how much it means to be in the tournament. And the fact that like nobody could talk him out of it. Right. Like, he he had several pages of this statement prepared. He clearly spent a lot of time, you know, if nothing else, preparing the statement. Right? I I feel like for coaches who who feel this pressure, who want to get to the thing, who obviously they want it for those kids, you know, and that's the part where he got emotional. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to like judge anybody, you know, when they put their emotions out there. You know, the idea like that you feel you feel like you let these kids down because you weren't able to get the team there. Well, I'm so, I mean like that's just the way this cookie crumbled, you know? Like there's no way around it other than like go out there and win some games, you know? I feel on some level with coaches who who desperately need that, who want that to get to, you know, the tournament stuff that a- after the fact you can't start going around and blaming um, you know, blaming the the the, the situation. You can't blame the the people who make the decision, right? Like all you're doing there is just sort of telling on yourself a little bit, right? It's a hurt dog hollering sort of situation, right? Um, Texas A&M was 15 and two on January 15th. Okay. By February 15th, they were 16 and 10. They lost eight games in a row. Excuse me. They lost. Yeah. They lost eight games in a row. Okay. Um, before they won and beat Florida, um, 56, 55. Then they turned around and lost to Vanderbilt. In that streak, they lost to Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU, South Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, LSU, and Auburn. Uh, two of those teams fired their coaches. No, three of those teams fired their coaches. So, and and that means he lost four times to th- to three coaches who are no longer employed by the schools in which that he lost those games. Like my dude, I mean, I understand you had a great run in the SEC tournament. That's awesome, but you didn't win it, and that was the way to pick to actually punch your ticket. So, again. Not tr- I'm not trying to pick on Buzz. Obviously, you know him. You know, ha- having covered him some, I, I, there, there's a little bit there. But ultimately, like coaching coaches, under- I get that there's a lot of pressure in this. But like, I mean, I, this was one of those things. It's like if if Tony Bennett, if Virginia had let's <laughs> let's just pick a game, right? Let's just pick a game. Um, let's say Virginia had beaten Duke the second time. All right, and let's say that they beat Duke the second time. They still lose to Florida State. They beat Louisville uh, both times, regular season and, and tournament, and then lost to Carolina. All right, that probably would have put them right on the cusp of the bubble. I don't know if it would have been enough to make them like feel like they should have gotten in. But let's say let's UVA. let's take yeah let's take one loss off their record. Let's say let's say they did not lose to like James Madison. Right. Let's say they beat JMU. So let's just change their record from from 18 and 12 to uh, excuse me, 19 to 13 to 21 and 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's say they were at least in the conversation. Can you ever in a million years imagine Tony Bennett coming to the podium after this game tonight and being like, listen, guys, 
I'm really proud of my team for getting this win tonight, but I have this prepared statement, and I'd like to talk to you about the lack of transparency in the NCAA selection committee. Like, what in the world? Like, that just... Yeah. Ugh. And that's not I, even just because... I don't buy you know, that he's... Go ahead, go ahead. I don't buy that he's running by everyone, right? If he's run, I'm sure he's running by everyone at Texas A&M, and they said no buts, no, because the timing tells me like this is something he's run by, and they've told him no. So when you guys told me there was a press conference, I didn't realize it was like after a game today. So I just thought he had like his weekly meeting with the press. Yeah, no, it was after they rant. won their NIT game last night. Yeah, so like clearly, this is not one. My guess is he's running up the pole and they've been like, no. So he just kept it in his pocket. And then he's like, I'm just going to go talk about this game. Oh, here it is. Because um, it just looks ugly. They finished non and non in the SEC, man. I don't care. They had a great last few weeks, right? And the funny but thing is, if they hadn't gone on that, that team we just played tonight, if they didn't go on that run <laughs> in the SEC tournament, which obviously still counts, like they wouldn't have oh, even, like if they had lost like their second game, everybody would have been like, yeah, they're not in. Like, you yeah. know, like. And that's cool. Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't have been in, but, like, if you're in that situation, like, you could have done something else, too. The teams I feel bad for, like, uh, and there weren't really any examples this year that I can think of, but, you know, the years where Belmont goes, like, 27-3. and three, Yeah, those are hard. Yeah. And nobody and nobody plays them. Like, nobody will play them out of conference, and then they lose in, like, their conference championship game by one. And it's like, yeah. nope, sorry, you're in the NIT. It's like, that sucks. But, like, if you're Texas A&M, you had 30 opportunities to get in. Yeah. Um. And, you I know, mean, and, and I, it is what it is. I mean, I don't think anybody's like banging on him for it. Like he's in his, what, his third year there. Like they, they're, they're going in the right direction. It's, yeah. Seems, I don't think anybody's like, like going to chase him out of town, especially because, yeah. you know, they, they obviously paid a lot of money to get him. Um, if you want to make a case, I mean, like, so I'm looking at Kim Palm, right? And right now, the highest rated team that is not in the field is Oklahoma. They're 26th. Yeah. But they um, had like 15 losses. But they have 15 losses. But if you look at who they lost to, it's kind of like, oh, right. Like yeah, that, worst, that's the only reason they were in the mix because they lost to teams like Kansas and Baylor. And, right. You know. Yeah, they lost to Butler in overtime, which was their worst loss of the season at one twenty six. But their other losses, are Baylor twice. Right. They lost to Texas, which is a tournament team. TCU, Kansas, Auburn, TCU, Oklahoma State, uh, Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, Texas State. Like they lost a lot of games, but the games yeah, that's they like lost all were tournament teams yeah, except exactly. for Oklahoma State. And so, like, if you're if you're Texas A and M, you can't really be making out here in these streets talk about how oh, you know, we should have been in the tournament. And I'm like, dude, Oklahoma sitting over there, like, I'm sorry, hold my beer. Like, and we might have had a similar situation from UVA fans if they had not from Tony Bennett. Well, UVA fans might have had that vibe if they got to like the semis and didn't make it. Um, but I mean, like, it's pretty, uh, Dave, Brett, I think maybe you guys disagree, but I think everything we've seen from like how the field is constructed and like um, who got in and didn't, I feel like UVA actually didn't have a chance to make it as an at large. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I think uh, not with the, not going into the final weekend the way it mm-hmm. looked. Right, and then the way it went, and then the way it turned out, like Richmond stole a bid for example. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But even, even still, even if all that had gone chalk, I don't think they were getting in. Um, mm-hmm. Because even if you, even if you had to stack up several ACC teams, let's assume that everything that happened in the ACC tournament happened, but Duke won that last game, right? And so Tech doesn't have the auto bid, right? Well, now you've got several ACC teams in a position to sort of be in the mix. Um, I'm not sure how that would have shaken out, but I don't think UVA would have come out. On well, according to the committee, Dayton would have been in, but like, yeah, 
But like, I mean, like even if UVA had like made it to the final, like Tech did, and then lost. Yeah, I still don't. Um, no, I don't think they. I don't. Would, I, I don't, don't think, think they would have gotten in yeah. because Tech was like in the same spot as them on the bubble and didn't get in. Yeah. Or and Tech have also in. the metrics love Tech, which we know now is a bigger part of the whole ball mm-hmm. of wax than it used to be. Um, no, I don't. I, I agree with you completely. I don't think UVA was getting in the, again, given the resume that they had after Brooklyn, right? Now, even, if things sorry, if things the, had the gone differently, had going yeah, yeah, and if things had gone differently in that last week, maybe there's you know they, there was a mathematical possibility sorry possibility that they could have gotten in but like indiana played their way in for example by winning two games so like that's one less spot that's available um richmond i already mentioned that's one less spot and then that's how it works like a few teams play their way in the teams that are on the right side of the bubble stay in you know by getting a win or two and and then teams like xavier who are like right on the bubble play their way out you know um and tech damn near almost did against clemson (laughs) you know they could they could have easily been done right there um it is it's it's hard to imagine that a team you know virginia could have beaten north carolina right and played on friday and had 20 wins it's a a 20 win acc team not getting into the tournament just seems like blasphemy and i don't even think they would have been like they wouldn't have even been like what next uh, first four out no no no, maybe next I, four out. Yeah. You now again. I, that's 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 assuming you know the resume was what it was when they got to Barclays, right? Again, I don't think you have to change much on their schedule. You know, a a, a good. If you win the second two, Duke game and you beat Florida State, you probably you just win in, those in a, two. You're in a you're very probably spot. like I think they probably would have been in the ACC tournament, and that's also then you're riding like a big winning streak. Then you're riding a six game winning streak, even if you lost to Carolina. That's a very different animal. You know, yeah, and then it's like you're 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 probably going into the ACC tournament like more squarely on the bubble than like, hey, they got to win like four games to make it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right. And it's like maybe you can play your way in, but I think honestly, like even if that happened, it would have been like some sweaty moments last. I mean, because like Wake Forest didn't get in; everybody thought they were going to make it. Notre yeah. Dame was the last team in the field, you know. And they like finished. UVA's resume wasn't as good as theirs. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and Rutgers that's a, is taking it to him pretty good tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Notre, Notre Dame's worst loss of the season was to Boston College, who was 128th in Ken Palm. And again, Ken Palm is just one metric. That's what we're using. James Madison's 233. Navy is 190. All right. NC State's 141. Um, and then and when Florida you have State's the quadrant element in that, too, where yes. it's like, are these home or away? Like, Clemson yes. at home is terrible. Navy at home is terrible. Like, yeah. Navy at home is terrible. Um, Clemson at home is terrible. Um, NC State, even well, NC State anywhere is probably terrible. Um, but then, you know, it, the other thing is, is that like it's not like we didn't know what that they had work to do. I think that's that's probably the thing that was the hardest to sort of compute in all this is like they went to Brooklyn and everybody understood like, look, you got to make a if 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 you don't win the thing, you got to at least get to that game to, to probably have a shot. I mean, the writing was absolutely on the wall. And that's why when Buzz is talking about transparency and stuff, like, dude, everybody knew the deal. Like, there, I didn't feel like there was any, like, real surprises other than that one seeding. And I forget who it was. Who was it that – Tennessee? was it Tennessee that, Tennessee that everybody thought Duke. should have been a two? Yeah, people were like, what Duke was a two. Um, yeah. But, like, in terms of making the field, I mean, I mean, everybody kind of looked at the big board or, like, yep, these are the folks. Um, but anyway, so – I mean, I think like, I can say that. Hold like, on. Like, let me, let me, let me just, land this plane, Dave. Let me land this plane. Um, but what was so frustrating, I think, was to see was to know that going to Barclays and then to see what they put on put out there. Right, those two games, yeah, like they just were not they were not sharp at all. They it's like we don't have to talk about this anymore. <laughs> like, right, it was very it was very odd. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, for, you know, for me as a fan, like I want my team to make it, even if they squeak in, right? But right, look for the game as a whole and the integrity of the NCAA. There's 68 teams making the NCAA tournament now. If you're 60 to 68 and they choose someone else over you, that's your problem. I, yeah. I mean, it's not gonna like the NCAA is not gonna crumble because Texas A&M didn't make it in because Virginia Tech won the tournament, or they decided to take Notre Dame. You, know, you have to take someone just, out to put someone in. Pick so like mitts. somebody yeah, that's loses, true. Yeah, you know? that's true. I mean, I mean, look at college football. The same thing's going to happen. That's, this is not to change the subject, but you know, if you expand the college football playoffs, you're going to have the same argument about you know, if you go to twelve, it's going to be oh, I was thirteen. Well, guess what? You're still going to get pummeled by one. You're not going to make a. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big and, deal in the ultimate scheme of things. And what you don't want is just bonus or whatever. You don't want like a BCS type system either. Because like where it's like a points based, like a net, for example, like I will just pick the however best, like the best net at large teams, because then you'll have to, I'm not cheating necessarily, but you'll have some integrity issues where like teams will figure out the formula and then game the system accordingly. Like there's ways, there's ways you can game your strength of schedule, for example, by, um, you know, when you do your non-conference schedule, if you're like a North Carolina or, or even a UVA, for example, I mean, obviously this is a bad year to bring it up because you've had some bad losses. But if you just play teams that are like 150 through 250 instead of 250 through 350, yeah, your chances right. of winning those games are not that different because those yeah. teams are going to be overwhelmed. You know, you're talking about like a Towson or a UNC Wilmington instead of a Coppin State. Um you're probably going to win those games anyway. And it's like your strength of schedule will be way improved. And then you, maybe you play one on the road and it's yeah. like, all of a sudden your strength of schedule is like way better than it. And it's like, but you didn't really beat anybody. Yeah. Um, it's almost like if you just take it, the teams you're going to play in the NIT and just play those types of teams, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And like, you look at wake forest, like they didn't get in a big reason for that probably was their non-conference strength of schedule. Was was, and we talked about this last week was, yeah, it, was horrible. Trash. it was like yeah. 350 out of 341, 298, 350, 292, 222, 231. That was their first six games of the season. And, and they then still they had lost a to like LSU, I think. And that yeah, was like the one LSU. loss and now yeah. a tournament team, but like, um, you know, like that's it. Like they they didn't play anybody else really. <laughs> so it's like, what are we doing? Yeah, here? you know, it's something I'm sure we'll discuss here? at some some point in this off season. Like you know, the 20 game ACC schedule. I mean, I think it's it's worth debating on a future podcast. Yeah, that's a that's a definite topic. Yeah, that was because yeah, when you brought it up, I was like, I don't even know how I feel about it because at first yeah, I was it's like, one the of those I got to do my research on. Better. Yeah. I was like, yeah, more ACC basketball is good. I don't want to watch UVA play, but um, but not if it makes you, you know, yeah. But not if it makes you as a coach or an athletic director. Look, look, we all understand the coaches want to keep their jobs too, um, right? But the athletic directors want to keep their jobs as well. So they're not going to go schedule a super hard out of conference schedule when they know they got to play twenty ACC games. And then you don't feel like you need to because your your league is going to inflate your metrics. Yeah, so that's it's just, like you this don't is the need first year where the ACC the was an losses, albatross right? and it's, not a lifter of the boat. But that's what people – I heard somebody make that point about Forbes and, and Wake Forest. It's like it kind of makes sense why their non-conference schedule was so bad because they thought they were going to be bad. So it's yeah, like he's yeah. got to get wins somewhere. He can't be 5-25 and 25 again. You know? Yeah, but – I mean, I, and I think we point too much at the head coach. Like like, like the head coach controls the, controls the schedule, but the athletic director more times than not as, is the one who hired that coach. Especially in a situation he like his where he doesn't he's, want that you know, coach relatively to lose either. either. Yeah, yeah. So, true. like, I think there's a negative impact on it. And I know it's great 
it's great content for ESPN, but does ESPN really want to water down ACC to get two more games per team? Uh, I, I would, I would argue, and, and, and again, we're going we're gonna to talk about this in a future podcast. Yeah. Um, hashtag uh, teaser. But I, I would argue that in a good year, right? Like your those extra games would would allow you to basically schedule things a little easier earlier in the year. In essence, like if the ACC is where it's supposed to be, maybe you don't go quite as you know over the shark as as Wake went with William and Mary, Western Carolina, Charleston Southern, North Carolina AT, Kennesaw State, and Oregon State. But instead, maybe you can have a handful of those types of games, but maybe not a whole diet of them, right? Like, because you know that, like, oh, you're going to be like Oklahoma was this year, right? Where there are so many good teams that night in and night out, even if you lose, you're not getting hurt but so much, right? Um, the the trick is, I think, it, with the scheduling and, and such now, it used to be, like, you know, you, you sort of you sort of wanted to just win as much as you could. And that's not, I'm not saying that anybody doesn't want to win. Yeah. And that's how teams like tech, when it's Seth Greenberg, they would miss out and it'd be like, right. well, your, your strength of schedule is terrible. Right. If you, you look back, if, if you look back at some of these teams that, you know, that Seth had there, um, you know, that didn't make the tournament, um, you know, like that, they'd that, be uh, like 10 and six in the ACC and have some like good wins, but then some like weird losses. Yeah. And then they'd so have like one example. dumb non conference loss. 2016, Tech finished 20 and 15. They were 10 and eight in the ACC. They went to the NIT that year. Um, they had some decent wins, right? They beat uh, what was then, I guess, the fourth ranked Virginia team at home, right? But they lost to uh, Alabama State. They lost. Yeah. Was that was an early buzz team. Right. Yeah. Um, they had a uh, had a five game losing streak in the middle of the season. They lost. Actually, they ended up losing seven of eight. They closed the season on a uh, five game winning streak in the regular season, and then also beat Florida State in the tournament before they lost to Miami. But those teams, like ultimately, like look at this. Listen to the strength of schedule: Alabama State, Jacksonville State, VMI, North Carolina A and T. Their first four games of the season, none of them ranked in Kim Palm higher than two eighty six, and that was the one they lost. Right. Uh, they also had three. 330, 344 Arkansas Pine Bluff. Sorry, Ferber. 222 Radford. <laughs> 320 Lamar. 345 Gam- Grambling State. Right? Um, I mean, what? I mean, also, this kind of shows you to, uh, and there's uh, schools only have so much control over this, but it really does help you if you get a good early season tournament. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Like UVA this year got lucky that they got Providence. Um, you know, like that tournament looked like crap on paper. And it was like, all right, like they're not going to get anything out of this. You know, they'll get two wins hopefully, but, and they did, right. They won that tournament, I think. Um, But, but like, you know, they, they were lucky that Providence was pretty good and they got them, but like, you know, next year they have a really good tournament, right. There's, it's like UCLA, them Baylor, I think is in it and like Illinois or something. Um, But like, yeah, that's, so that's going to be a quality tournament. But if you play these tournaments, sometimes you go to like, not Maui, but Puerto Rico, and you play like Drexel, and then you lose, and then you play Utah, and then it's like you're not really playing anybody good. Um, so you don't get anything out of that. And those yeah. are the games you're counting on to help your schedule. That and like the big ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah. Um, All right. I think that's a good place to land the plane for this week. We obviously, you know, there's there's at least one more basketball game left. Virginia will play at North Texas. At, at, at North Texas. That's apparently a mouthful. Uh, this the mean green. Um, the two be, slowest teams in the country. Game going to be over in like an hour and thirty five minutes. It's going to be great. Um, 
I don't know why they play these games when there are also NCAA tournament games going on, but okay. Um, so anyways, they really will, need to, they need to play them at like 8 a.m. or something. They really, crazy. they really, yeah. I was also wondering, like, Saturday, don't they right? sometimes do some weird yeah, rule Saturday stuff? Sunday. Don't they sometimes do some weird Saturday. rule stuff with the NIT where they like experiment with new stuff? Do we get any goodies this year? Like, are they going to do anything fun? I didn't see anything tonight that stint that made it seem like they it, should so. take away the three point line. That would be helpful for us. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. No, you know what they should do is like not do. How do you do the pack line? You're just, two you're just packing it in, and there's just no line. <laughs> well, the pack line is actually like they 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 draw the thing in the tape or whatever. Yeah, I um, guess it'd be impossible to score in a two point. Like if there's no three, they point just wouldn't let her stand there. As a um, funny last tidbit before we wrap up, like so, someone just tweeted it. This is the first time in the Ken Palm era, 2002 to present, that the first and second slowest teams have met in the same season. Oh, wow. 357 versus 358 in tempo. That's what I'm saying. They should get that. If it's going to be Saturday, you got NCAA tournament games all day. Put that game on at 9 a.m. People will watch it (laughs) and people will gamble on it. That's true. People will gamble on it. Um, All right. Let's uh let's land the plane. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you are so inclined, give us a ring or a review. We appreciate that. Also, I, apparently, I'm supposed to say follow and not subscribe to the podcast because now follow is what the apps use. So I'm going to try to incorporate that into the into the uh, outro. If you're somebody who's found the pod, hasn't given us a look at the website, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Right now, I can promise you, Damon is cranking out baseball stuff left and right. Um, just like Jake Geloff is cranking out uh, RBIs and home runs and such. Um, I'm actually very excited to see where UVA baseball goes this year. That's going to be fun. Um, obviously, we'll continue coverage of Virginia basketball as the um, Cavaliers head down to uh, the Lone Star State. Um, for a second there, my brain was like, North Texas is in Texas, right? It, it's, I, it's in like, Denton. Denton, Texas. It, there you go. Um, so anyway, lots of stuff on the website, so you can give a look. Check, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Uh, I want to thank MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of the show and of the uh, website. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. And I want to thank you, everybody out there, for supporting the show, giving us a listen, giving us a follow, giving us ratings, reviews, whatever you might uh, want to do. I want to thank uh, Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time here late on a Wednesday night. Very much appreciate it. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.